I'll read you the, the command that Jesus gave among many um, at the Last Supper. Lots of teaching there. I think the disciples were aware of this weight. I think they could, they could sense something heavy. This, this, this moment, Jesus had set his face long before, but this moment had arrived and, and there was something happening. Even in the, the elements of the meal, as Jesus was radically changing the Passover celebration, he was making it all about him, the Passover lamb. In the context of that, he said these words, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Just picture this. This is hours away from the nails pounding into his hands and feet. Just hours away. I don't think the disciples had any idea of what was to come, but Jesus did. He knew this was coming. I want to spend a little time here beginning with this verse and ending with this verse. We're going to go in a, in a loop here. But this journey, I think, will help us understand and build out these words. I title this, The Planted Seed. It comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 24. Let me read that verse. Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Bears much fruit. Now, all of us know, as we hear these, these words, Jesus is talking about the cross. He's talking about his mission. This is his work. But there's a lot of things happening even in this. I, I was just struck, as you think about creation itself, think about all of the plants that you've planted, all the seeds that you have put in the ground. God has so made his creation that it constantly points to this story. Now, we, in creation, we don't know the name of Jesus, but we do know the story, don't we? We see it every time that seed sprouts, miraculously so. We just put it in the dirt. We put a little water. The sun warms the earth. And then God does what only God can do. He makes the seed sprout to life and grow up through the earth and bear fruit. That is an illustration of the gospel. Jesus is, in a sense, saying, Every seed points to me. I want you to see the gospel every time you plant in the ground. This is an agricultural society he's speaking to. He's claiming this as a gospel illustration. I love that. Frankly, we're coming out of the, the cold and the dark of winter into spring gospel. Every season change, we celebrate this. It's woven in to the very nature of our existence on this earth. The story of life that comes after death. But there's a lot more happening in the context of this verse. And so, as always, it's never a good idea to just drop into a passage and lift a verse in isolation. There's way more happening when Jesus says these words than just an illustration of, of the wheat and the seed and the fruit that comes from his work on the cross. Let me go back and give you some of the backstory. That took, that took place here. There was a feast that was thrown for Jesus in Bethany as he made his way up um, from, where's that city that he was, that we visited? Jericho. He made his way up from Jericho, 
up to Bethany, just near Jerusalem. It's very close. And when he arrives in, in Bethany, of course, there's Lazarus, right? The guy that he literally raised from the dead. And they throw a party, a feast, a celebration. And people hear that Jesus is being celebrated by Lazarus and his family. And so Jerusalem is getting all excited and they all go and join the party. The next day in John 12, we pick this up. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, that's with Lazarus in Bethany, that Jesus was coming, they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So now, Palm Sunday, they took palm branches and they went out to meet, meet him and, and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And uh, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Every detail counts. All the prophecy being fulfilled in these things. Jesus knew everything that needed to take place and perfectly, according to plan, he fulfilled those prophecies. So, Palm Sunday, as we celebrated last week, and the kids did such a good job waving the palm branches. That's where that comes from, kids. That's what we were doing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Come, save! Come and save. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness the reason why the crowd went to meet him was they heard that he had done this sign. Now, enter the Pharisees into the mix. Those Pharisees. There's always something happening with them. The Pharisees said to one another, and this is key. John wants us to note this. Listen to what they say. You see, you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The whole world, Jerusalem is all stirred up. They're all wound up about Jesus. Well, they're disturbed by this. Frankly, these words are far more true than the Pharisees had any idea about. And God, in only the way that he can, confirms these things. They speak these words out of exasperation and a whole lot of jealousy. They do not like the crowd that is drawn to Jesus. They are jealous. They are uh, un, destabilized. They, they're concerned about their power brokering. They're concerned about the, le the, the, the legitimacy of his claims and all these things. And people just keep going after Jesus. They flock to him. Well, the Lord is going to sovereignly affirm his son's uh, popularity is far bigger than these Pharisees had any idea about. Watch how John has organized this passage and the sequence of events organized by God as they unfold. It is with this as the backdrop now that we come to this exchange. Among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks, some Gentiles. Now these, the Gentiles, the Greeks, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. 
And Philip went and told Andrew. Now, these guys grew up right next to each other. Bethsaida and uh, Capernaum right there. Fishermen, right? They always bumped into each other on the lake. They know one another from way back. So they go together now and tell Jesus the request. Listen, we've got Gentiles. These are, these are people who have come to worship. They want to see you, Jesus. That's the backdrop. These are Gentile proselytes, most likely converts to Judaism. They're going up to worship, right? They're going to the temple to celebrate the Passover. They hear that Jesus is in town. And so they go and they try to, they try to make their way to him. Now, how is Jesus going to respond to this request? Jesus answered them and says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There's our verse. You see the flow here? You see what this is, what this is connected to? Us! This is about the Gentiles. Largely, most of us here would fall into that category. The hour has come. This is not a 24-hour thing that Jesus has in view. This is the season, the moment. This is the passion. His hour has come. He knows that in a matter of hours, he's going to be, uh, well, not at this point. And so we're, I don't want to confuse our moments here. When this is in John 12, so there's still time yet to, to come, but close. It's very close. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The whole world has gone after him. Who's in view? Well, there's Gentiles, Jesus, that want to see you. This is his response. It's a very interesting answer. The question begs, doesn't it? Don't you want to know? Did they get to come? Like, did, he, did he see them or not? We don't know. We don't know. There is a bit of a sense in this that he's saying, there's work I have to do first. There's work to be done first. I must be planted. And then harvest. The harvest comes. So the planting of the sun and the global harvest of the gospel. You might be here and you're wondering, what is all this about Jesus? What's the big deal about Jesus? Some guy that lived 2,000 plus years ago. What does that have to do with us? Everything. Everything. We are all sinners here, friends. We are all sinners. We have rebelled against God's righteous decree and we have chosen our own way. We have turned aside from what is right and righteous. And we have run into the dark with all our might. Because of that, we stand under his righteous wrath. We, we are storing up wages that we will pay forever in the fires of hell because God is just. He can't just sweep sin under the rug. It's cosmic treason. But there's good news. There's good news. God has made a way for sinners like you and me to be forgiven. Because he loves he loves, not because we deserve it, but because he is that good. 
He says, even though you don't deserve it, I am going to set my love upon you. And I'm going to lavish grace upon you. And I am going to do all of this through my son, Jesus Christ, who I'm going to send. There's the Christmas story. He's born of a virgin. He lives. He grows up. He never sins. He never joins the ranks of sinners like us. Righteous through and through. Qualifies him to die on the cross to pay for my sin and yours. To, to atone, to, to make payment to the Father for my offenses that I should pay. He takes them on himself and pays them in full. And then, like the grain is planted, he is buried. And he says before he dies at 3 o'clock tomorrow, he says, it is finished. And when he dies, the work is done. It's, he is planted, and it's just a matter of time. Light the fuse. What, death is going to hold him? I don't think so. It has no reason. No, there's no possibility. The wrath has been satisfied. A sinless man is being buried now. He's going to come. He's going to explode out of that grave. And sure enough, that's what we celebrate in just a few days. The resurrection of the sinless Savior. Our only hope. And so we trust in Jesus. We turn from our sins and we run to the planted Son who sprouted and gives life and bears fruit to the ends of the earth. Calls people to come and be saved. It is a global harvest. That was always the goal. It was always the goal. To the Jew first, right? Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. And they killed him. And he said, that's the first part of my work. But when I rise, there's a mission, a global mission, and we're still on that mission, aren't we? That's our work every morning. We get up out of bed. We're on mission. Tell the world what he did. Hmm. I love when Jesus says this in John 10, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Lest we think that this was somehow just a terrible accident. Let's be clear. This was ordained from before the foundations. This was predestined to take place by God. This was the plan all along. And Jesus says, I know the plan. I'm going and they're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. They're going to bury me. And on, after three days, I'm going to rise. He told the disciples that three times. Every single time, they're like, what are you talking about? I can lay it down, and I will. And I can take it back up again, and I will. And when I am lifted up from the earth, John 12, 32, just a few verses down from where we are tonight, he says, I will draw all people to myself. When I am lifted up from the earth, what is that? Well, all the people in the immediate context, they knew that was talk he was talking about the way he was going to die, crucifixion. It was assumed in the context. They, that's where they, oh, he's, that's how he's going to die? Wow. So that's what that means. John makes it really clear. That means lifted up to die. When I am lifted up to die, I will draw all people all people to myself. Now, given the flow of John 12, what does that mean? 
all nations, all peoples, some from every tribe and tongue and people. He's, he's calling the entire world, come. What an amazing thing. Not just the Jews, but the global harvest of the gospel is coming. He is truly the Savior of the nations, and not just at that time, friends. This, this applies to us today. It applies right here tonight. A year ago, we had three people who God saved as we celebrated this night. We were locked in our homes. It was interesting. And wonderfully, people could pause me. They hit pause on their TV. Hold on. Let's talk about that. God still saves sinners. The door is open. The call is come. Come and be saved. Look to Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins. Trust in Him. And you will be saved. It's the most important news you could ever hear. It is the most important weekend we ever celebrate. When we lived in Northern California, we lived not too far from the Redwoods, and we would often go there, and we had a lot of people visit us, and so we would always take them there. And We loved walking through these towering giants of God's glory. You feel small, and it's good. You look up, and you're like, whoa, look at that. I've got a picture of, of me standing next to Ethan. He's about that tall at that point. I know it's hard to imagine, but <laughs> he's like that tall. I don't know if you remember this, buddy, but we were looking up together. Jenny got a picture of us just staring at this massive tree. Glory of God. You know, there's some pretty amazing things that happen in, in the redwood forest. Every now and then when there's a fire that takes a redwood out, it has to be a pretty intense fire, and that big tree dies. When that tree dies, all around that tree, from the root system underground, will spring up a circle of redwoods. It's a ring of trees. That's what it looks like. Isn't that cool? From the death of one comes the life of many. And they form a monument to the gift that that tree gave in its death. Everywhere you walk through the redwoods, you'll, you'll see these. They're just little, I, I just feel like they're little sanctuaries of the gospel, celebrating what God does. He planned that. He wrote that into the DNA, the work. That's his doing. The redwoods declare the work of Jesus Christ. We know his name. So when we see that, we can say, praise the king. King Jesus. Friends, that's us. That's us. That, that's, we're the circle. We gather around tonight to celebrate the death of our Savior. To remember and to rejoice. Christ's accomplishment is more than just something back then. It's right now tonight. It becomes our calling. Jesus says, I'm about to do this, and I want you to take careful notes. Because what I do, I'm calling you to do for one another. Okay? So we come back to where we started. 
sacrificial love. He says, this is what I'm calling you to do, Christians. Be defined by the love that defines you. Be defined by my love. In the way that you love, show the way you've been loved. This is my commandment, Christians, that you love one another as I have loved you. Boy, that means a lot more after the weekend, doesn't it? That's our mission. That's our assignment. And that's our opportunity. The world that is dying for real love, many who have given up on it completely, they will know that we are Christians. How? By the way we love one another. That's our opportunity, friends. And praise God for the way this church loves one another. We had membership class last week. We heard over and over, this church is so loving. The people are so warm and welcoming. I felt loved and cared for. Praise God. That's his work in you. More. More of that as we move through this weekend and into next week and into the next year. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks to you for the love you have shown us through our King Jesus Christ. We thank you for the tremendous weight that you placed upon him the weight of all my sin and the weight of the sin of every single person who will trust in him by faith. That is, it's hard to even fathom that, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for carrying my sins, for suffering for my sins, for dying in my place for my sins, to pay for the fire and wrath that I deserve because I am a sinner and a rebel. Jesus, I thank you for the victory that you accomplished over sin and death and Satan and hell. I thank you that you said those words, it is finished. And oh, Lord, what a freeing experience it is for a sinner to know that their sins are paid in full. We can be forgiven by trusting in Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray tonight that you would work in only the way that you can. Cause the seed in the ground to sprout. Even now, oh Lord, reach down through your spirit and stir to life. Bring anyone here who came into this place without life. Bring them to life now, I pray, in Jesus Christ. Stir them to see the face of Jesus, the face of love. Cause them, oh God, to run to him in faith and turn from their sins and place all of their trust in him to be their savior forever. God, I thank you for doing that for so many here in this room. Thank you for holding us and bringing us to yourself day by day, never letting us go, growing us, teaching us what it means to love. Oh God, more we pray. Help us to delight in your love more and then to show your love more to these people here that we call family and to the world that is in desperate need of true love. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.